My guest this week is Naveed Jafari from Pianova. We talk about data, customer insights, and simplifying messages for customers. Welcome to episode 245 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hello and welcome to the Marketing Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. Before we get started, I've got a quick favour to ask you. Seriously, this is only going to take you a minute. If you enjoy the Marketing and Finance Podcast, please leave me a review on iTunes. Simply go to rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes, click the link and leave me a review. I'd really appreciate it because it'll help more people discover the Marketing and Finance podcast. So please hit pause, go and do that review, and then we'll get on with the interview. Okay, let's get straight into that interview with Naveed right here on the Marketing and Finance podcast. Naveed, welcome to the Marketing and Finance podcast. Hi, good afternoon or good morning. Thanks for having me. Naveed, thank you so much for coming on the show. Now, tell me, where are we Zooming each other from? Now, I'm in Edinburgh, <laughs> Scotland, as always. Somehow, I think they're they're going to add that to the uh, Oxford English Dictionary this year, <laughs> Zooming <laughs> as a verb. But uh, uh, I am uh, out of a beautiful, sunny Silicon Valley, San Jose, California. Um, uh, I think the world looks uh, fairly similar everywhere today, but uh, happy to be with you. This is just a complete and utter tangent, but the other night I just fancied watching a James Bond film and the deal with my wife was that I just went into our stack of Blu-rays and DVDs and just we just picked out the first James Bond film that I saw and the first James Bond film that I saw was A View to a Kill, which is all about this evil genius trying to blow up a bomb and actually submerge Silicon Valley. So to- total coincidence, but there, there you go. There you go. So Ian Nav- Fleming had a good imagination. Sure. <laughs> so we're going to talk about your business, Pianova, today. We're also going to talk about the background to Pianova, your background as an individual, but maybe focus in a little bit about how important all of a sudden digital marketing might have become to a lot of financial advisors, financial services firms out there who maybe haven't focused on digital marketing as much in the past as maybe they need to now. But before we get into that, give me a little bit of background about yourself, where you came from, how your career developed, and and basically what makes Naveed Jafari tick. I have been uh, in marketing various sort of leadership roles over the last decade, but generally in this field for about 16, 17 years now. I genuinely consider myself the luckiest guy on earth. I have the best job. Sometimes feel like they really shouldn't be paying me because I'm having way too much fun. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> in general, I think what uh, has always interested me um, with regards to marketing is that you get to really tell people something powerful. And, uh, you know, not to go too off on a tangent here, but one of my areas of expertise or area of interest, I should say, is this concept of influence. So how do you get people to do something? 
And um, I think that, uh, you know, in the most traditional sense, the most traditional description of marketing, which is all about this exchange between a, a, a potential client and, and, a, and a business, you have a lot of opportunity there to influence. And for me, I think that has always been, uh, again, a great, a great area of interest. I've worked in many, many different industries. Today, I work at uh, Piernova, which is a software company, which we'll get to, I'm sure, in just a second. But I've worked in healthcare, semiconductor, publishing, marketing and advertising, uh, you name it. And um, I sort of started out in the trenches. I, uh, you know, I've been developing for the web, all kinds of stuff. And one of those extremely hands-on marketing people. Uh, I'm sure you've met a few. <laughs> so it, to me, it, it's, it's all fun. It's all great. And I, I think what makes me somewhat unique is that I kind of have a pretty good understanding of what's going on in pretty much all the different areas that we have to deal with on a daily basis. And that allows me to really be involved in, in everything. So whether it's digital, whether it's offline events and so on and so forth, I, I think that's a really good thing. And especially today, that's a really useful thing because I think the days of just having a marketing leader sort of telling the rest of the team what to do are somewhat inefficient. Let's say, it, let's put it that way. And it's mostly because I think things are changing so quickly, uh, particularly in the realm of uh, digital marketing, that you kind of have to have a pretty good understanding of what you're doing and where you're going. That certainly has helped uh, here at Pier Nova. I have a phenomenal team um, that uh, just honor and privilege to work with. And I think the most important aspect of building the right team is finding people that, again, can do many things. You, you find a few A players, as they say, who can uh, quickly adapt, have the right attitude, but also have the right skill set and background in order to be able to collectively do something powerful. Now, with regards to Pier Nova itself, as I mentioned, we're a Silicon Valley software company. We've been in the financial industry space uh, pretty much since inception. And what we do is we actually focus primarily on uh, enterprise data today. Uh, we have a, a sort of a background, if you will, in uh, the early days of blockchain, which is sort of the, the database that runs Bitcoin, although we have nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. uh, we just simply took the best ideas uh, in blockchain and started kind of going down that path. Today, what we offer is a platform known as the Kimiaform platform, which essentially allows enterprises to really increase their efficiency, you know, open up their data, allow not, I don't mean that in an open source way, I mean that within the organization. Sure. And of course, find opportunities that they can take their data and uh, perhaps go down the digital transformation path or find ways to essentially get the best out of the data that they have. It's uh Obvious, but uh, it's worth mentioning that I think today data is probably the most valuable asset any any company has, and uh, we're in the business of making sure that number one, the data is good quality, and also that the enterprises are able to get the best out of their data. Indeed, and obviously with a massive background in marketing like you've had, I'm going to ask you a question that comes up on the Marketing and Finance podcast quite often, and I'll preface this by saying. I've been doing marketing for about 25 years now, so I would probably describe myself as an old school marketer. And although 
even though I'm a Generation X, I think by uh, by birth, I do love technology, and I've always been embracing and playing with the the new toys that we've been given over the last decade. But on the other side of the coin, we're currently living through the lockdown. We're two weeks into the uh, coronavirus lockdown here in the UK. And one of the things that I've noticed just over the last few weeks is an absolute tsunami of emails and communications from companies all over the world, some of which haven't sent me an email for years and years and years. And all of a sudden, everybody's firing out loads and loads of communications. And marketing can be annoying at the best of times, (laughs) but marketing is incredibly annoying at the moment especially from these companies who all of a sudden want to have a relationship with you when they haven't even spoken to you for for ages and and many years, in fact. Now, I have a, a problem at the moment that I think that the world or the profession of marketing has forgotten that marketing isn't just about the communications bit. You know, back in the old days when people used to do marketing degrees, they learnt about the four Ps of marketing, you know, mm-hmm. product, price, place, and promotion. And and we used to do something called strategy. Nowadays, all everybody seems to do is want to play with communications toys. Now, communication is very, very important, but I do sometimes think that we overplay the communications bit, or, or indeed we even press the communications button before we've sorted out all of the other bits. Now, data drives a lot of what we can do. What, what, what are your views on that from, a, from Pia Nova's point of view? Am, am I just getting a bit old and grumpy or, or is there actually Not something going on I, here? I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think I'm very much uh, in the same boat as you. I do believe that, and this is kind of one of my pet peeves, uh, throwing marketing jargon at, at problems and, and trying to sound somehow clever is never the right approach. I think fundamentally what and and you're right i think what the coronavirus is doing this this sort of uh for lack of a better term forced isolation uh what it's doing is it's kind of exposing certain flaws in Mm. in the way we market and you know in reality nothing has changed uh you're still trying to find your target audience you're you're still trying to communicate the way you're you're hoping to solve their problems and so on and so forth. It's just that, and I loved your, your, your uh, terminology, their toys. I think what's happening is people think that somehow, you know, since everybody else is sending emails and I should be sending emails too, and not understanding that, you know, sure, maybe you should be sending emails, but what's the, what's the purpose behind it? I'll give you an example. I think this is, this probably resonates with a lot of people today. A lot of events have been canceled and events uh, generally, you know, either fall into the category of branding or they fall into the category of, you know, business development and lead gen. So, you know, we'll set aside the branding for just a second. Let's talk about the lead gen aspect. So when you have um, particularly companies like Pier Nova, where you are going to events to, to describe what you do to the right targets and all of that stuff, that is no longer at your disposal. Right. And so what do you do now if you have done this this sort of strategic planning, if you will, right from day one, then all you do at this point is you simply shift gears and you focus on, say, the digital aspect a little bit more, meaning that 
you have you have to keep in mind that in order to be able to make a change, you have to be everywhere to begin with. And this is not a time to simply, again, to use your analogy, just start using different toys and try to kind of make up for um, this, this obvious uh, interruption in the way people typically interact with their target audiences. And I think in you know, again, I completely agree with you. I think marketing in general is really all about the fundamentals. I'm a firm believer in that. I think it, it is absolutely imperative for every marketing person or every marketing leader to have the basics or the fundamentals of marketing down well. But then at the same time, they should have a set of sort of best practices um, and, and figure out a way to marry those things together. And this is what I was trying to sort of get at earlier, that by knowing for example, SEO and having that as part of your planning and, and, and you know, overall strategy, the way you're going to reach your clients and all that good stuff is, is good practice regardless of what's happening in the world. Mm. And so I think, and, and I, again, agree with you that uh, I'm getting a bunch of emails that really make no sense. You know, it seems like people for the first time are trying to figure out what to do when, you know, they're not able to meet people face to face and therefore they're kind of going the uh, the email routes or, or trying to bombard people. And I think the other piece to this is that there are many tools available today that weren't perhaps available, say, 10, 15 years ago. And so one of those is, of course, in the area of marketing automation, sequences and HubSpot or yeah. whatever you want to uh, use as an example. I think the key there is that this isn't a time to simply substitute that for good marketing and hope for the best. Meaning that this, you know, if you're buying a, a 10,000, 100,000 list of, uh, you know, your target audience and putting it into HubSpot to try to get their attention, I'm going to frankly tell you, you're not doing this right. That is not the goal of automation. The goal of automation, in my mind at least, is that you find what's working well and then you scale that up. Meaning that if you are able to find your targets through events or you're able to find your targets through different means, you know, if they're reaching out to you, if you're providing them opt-ins, all of that good stuff, if that's working for you, you use automation to scale that. You don't simply just all of a sudden say, oh my gosh, now I've got to hit every single person in order to find a 1%. That to me has never been a good approach. I hope that makes sense. So in general, I think people are starting to see digital marketing as this timeless piece of the overall marketing approach. But I think because they just haven't ever really given it a fair shot to understand what works and what doesn't, they kind of tend to want to overdo it and really jump in right now and try to do all kinds. It's kind of, you know, I used to have this conversation. I've also consulted a lot over the years and I used to have this conversation with a lot of prospective sort of clients, if you will. They would say, well, I want to be on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn and every other social network. And my simple question was why? And they would say, well, because my competitor is on all of those. There is something to be said about being everywhere. And I firmly believe that. But if you're not quite sure why you're on Facebook, you shouldn't be on Facebook. If you're not quite sure why you're on Twitter, you shouldn't be on Twitter. Meaning that find ways that actually work for you and then scale those up. Don't just copy what everybody else is doing and hope for the best. Absolutely right. And, and, and you've got to go through a process. You've got to start with your target audience. And to do that, you need to do some research. You need to identify who your customer is, work out what your customer's 
problem is, their needs, create a product or a proposition that solves that problem, and then work out how much to charge for it, work out how you're going to distribute it. And once you've got all of those things in place, and and let's call that the overall offer, then you might set yourself some goals. And then finally, you can start using all these great digital toys that we've got to start communicating that offer to those customers. So so let's let's focus in a little bit on PNOVA now. Now, you're working with financial services firms. So first question is, are we talking about large life insurance companies, investment houses, or local insurance agents, local financial services agents? Where's your focus? And and secondly, when somebody comes along and to PNOVA and says, okay, help me optimize my data, help me move into digital marketing, what's the process you take them through and how does it actually work? So we are in the enterprise space and therefore our, our customers and, and target in general are the tier one financial institutions around the globe, which I'm sure you know those are typically your your uh, huge huge global organizations with um uh, many sort of unique challenges particularly when it comes to data and i think you know what is very clear is that data is a challenge especially again for these larger organizations for a variety of reasons and happy to discuss some of those as well but i think at a smaller scale those things may or may not particularly resonate Today, we've chosen to kind of focus on on enterprise space, you know, that may or may not change in the future. But I think the way we've arrived at this is through, obviously, years of hard work, really trying to understand the problem at hand. And, you know, going back to what you said earlier, I think it is really, really important that you're solving a problem. You know, we live in Silicon Valley, so everything has a hype cycle, if you can imagine. Everyone loves to kind of throw uh, AI, you know, machine learning and blockchain and this term and that term around. You know, (laughs) as I jokingly say, I ask everybody what they're doing and they're either doing something disruptive or revolutionary. And the key there is that, Yes, these technologies are great. They clearly make a lot of things happen, but no one's going to buy anything from you just because you're using, you know, big data platforms or you're using blockchain or you're using uh, AI or whatever. Mm. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. That's not necessarily been my experience. I think what you, as a, as marketers, what we really need to keep in mind is that we need to focus on a series of value propositions. There's a great article, which I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, I believe in, in the uh, early 70s, was published in Harvard Business Review by a, a marketing professor called uh, Theodore Levitt, who really talked about a concept known as marketing myopia. Mm-hmm. You know, he argued that, for example, railroad sort of um, companies at the time were not in the railroad business, but otherwise, you know, essentially they were in the leisure and, and sort of travel business. Meaning that if you get so myopic, if you get so narrow-minded into your technology, you forget the kind of business you're actually in. And I think, you know, going back to our earlier conversation, if you really do your homework and understand the kind of business you're in, you know, just because you're using AI doesn't mean you're in the technology business. Mm-hmm. It's just because you're using blockchain doesn't mean you're in the Bitcoin business, that kind of thing. Then what you really get to focus on is the value that you bring into the customers, the problems you're able to solve. Now, I think it's fair to say that the world is going to be a slightly different place after this, this dust settles with the coronavirus. 
And my most important advice, if I may, to everybody is this is a great time to really understand that if you're not solving a real problem, you're going to have challenges down the line you're not going to be able to get away with just simply throwing technology terms here and there. You're not going to just simply say, you know, I'm here to solve uh, or not to solve. I'm here to provide you with this kind of a platform. And that's it. Does that make sense? It's, yeah. it's more about you want to make your offering very clear to understand, but also focused on solving a problem. Now, problems, again, if you've done your homework and you've arrived here with uh, the right mentality, you hopefully know what the problems are. And hopefully those problems are, uh, you know, quote unquote, evergreen. And so you, you, you certainly are here to solve a long term problem. But if you haven't done that, this is a great time to focus on that. You're not, you know, if you, if you're a blogger, I'll, I'll give you the most simple example. If you're a blogger, and you're, you know, I ask you what you do, don't reply, I'm a blogger. That's not what you do. That's just a, a method of how you do what you do. If you're in, for example, the fashion industry or the, you know, the financial industry or whatever, as a blogger, you know, you're helping people save money or whatever, that is the, the area of focus for you. So really understanding what you do and what kind of problems you're solving today for people is the key. Now, once you do that, then there are phenomenal tools out there. I think, again, just going back to our earlier conversation, it's pretty obvious that digital marketing is going to be front and center for a lot of people. Now, once you're able to identify the basics, the sort of the pillars of what your company does and why you exist and your brand and all of that good stuff, then absolutely, it's a good time to roll up your sleeves and use digital marketing to amplify those messages. Absolutely right. And finding that problem is the most important thing. But when faced with masses and masses of data, and, and, let, and let's imagine that you're doing research and, and you've got all this data to look at, and, and some of the data might be quantitative, some of it might be qualitative, how do we mine that data to get the genuine insights that can lead us to the breakthrough that we need to create a product or a proposition that our customers are ultimately genuinely going to be interested in? And we can then engage them with communications or content, digital content, digital communications, which actually engage them and make them want to buy what we're producing as opposed to what we were talking about before, just using digital channels to bombard people with really inappropriate and quite frankly, crap communications. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's definitely a, a very, very important and, and, and also difficult problem to, to address. First of all, I think, you know, I'm a Generation Xer, so I remember the days where you had to go look up stuff on Yellow Pages to find the nearest pizza shop, right? Yeah. Um, thank God we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> we have apps and we go online and we search for the nearest pizza place and we find our, our uh, you know, restaurant. Meaning that, yes, the, the, the technology that, that, that's at our disposal is going to provide us great tools. But it also, like you said, it's going to also highlight series of data points that we need to pay attention to. In my mind, first of all, data isn't everything. I think you've heard the expression people use sometimes to say data can lie. And I absolutely believe that. I think just because, for example, you see a, day, a single or maybe a couple of data points that point something in the right direction, uh, I think it's it would be wise to continue kind of 
examining what you're able to see. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. And the way in my mind you do that is you find teaching customers. You find people who are willing to listen to you and also give you feedback um, so that you're not just sitting there in a vacuum. I think it's fair to say today because of where we're at and how the world is is uh, is sort of functioning, we're all kind of working in in uh, silos. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call them that, you know, in our little rooms behind the computer screen. If if you're at this particular point, if you're sitting there on uh, on your own with yourself, with, with you know, by yourself with your team or whatever, and trying to figure out the kind of business you're in, or, that's very difficult to do. Um, you may or may not be on the right track, and I think the best way to make sure that the data points that you're identifying that that perhaps resonate with you um, are correct is to find teaching customers. I personally believe that with the right approach and and being very candid and, and and honest from the beginning there are many people who are willing to help there are many customers who are willing to help you get the right uh sort of be, get you at least on the right path so the point is here is that you know yes it, it is you know i'll give you a seo as a prime example of this kind of data Go online, go to Google, and let's say you're in a particular space. Try to find what people are looking for. Again, this kind of goes back to my silly analogy of yellow pages. Mm. Google is the current yellow pages. And therefore, if you can find, for example, a search volume of a particular term um, that relates to your business, well, that is also a form of validation. It, it is Im important, and again, this is what I was trying to get at earlier as well, that you have to know what you're doing. You have to understand SEO at a visceral level almost in order to be able to do this. And that's why, again, it's so critical to have these skills. I think the most effective marketing leaders today are folks that really genuinely have a great understanding of the different pieces of this giant puzzle of marketing. And so if you're able to direct your team, if you're able to find for example, data points in SEO and 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 say, hey, you know what? I can almost tell the intent behind, behind what people are searching and then kind of go from there and try to figure out what the search volume is, you know, how effective these solutions that are being provide, provided based on that sort of search result. Then you're using data the right way. And that, again, aside from, uh, in my mind, the gold standard is, of course, a teaching customer. But besides that, if that's difficult to do, Again, there are ways to kind of add context to the data at hand. Do you think you could um, expand upon that by giving me um, a case study of a client and, and how it's worked with that client? Obviously, anonymize it if you need to. Well, I, I can give you an example of an approach, which I, hopefully that'll uh, uh, sort of answer your question here. So we're in the uh, data governance space, for example. And so you know, one of the great ways of trying to figure out whether we are, uh, you know, what our solution is and how we're providing that is is resonating is to simply go to Google, use your favorite keyword uh, analysis tool. And what you do is you simply start with the basics. You punch in data governance, you see the search volume, you understand that, yeah, this is this is something that people are interested in. Obviously, the volume will tell you you know, how often people are searching it on a monthly basis, all of that great stuff, right? So I, I think most people are probably familiar with the basic concepts of SEO. The next step from there is what we typically do. And again, this is one of our um, 
sort of go-to strategies or plans, if, if you will. We take that and then we kind of try to build a word map around um, data governance, for example. And so we try to understand what are the other concepts that people are interested in? What are the other concepts that people are, um, you know, uh, able to kind of arrive at this data governance point from? And so by doing that, it, it allows us to very quickly understand what people are searching for, what people are looking for, and do our best now from that point of view to land in front of them. We know that the volume is there. We know what they're searching for. So the next piece of this puzzle is to essentially build a campaign around it. So that could be a paid campaign. Uh, that could be organic. Whatever the approach might be that's fitting. Again, going back to another earlier conversation about amplifying and automating some of these things, it only works when you know what you're doing. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Naveed, this has been fascinating talking to you all about this. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether we talk digital marketing, it doesn't matter whether we talk data, whether we talk gigantic companies, global companies, or small one or two person businesses on the high street. The bottom line is you've got to focus on the needs of the customer. And if you can use data to find the insights that will give you a competitive give you a competitive advantage, then that's where the magic is going to happen. So so as we wind the interview down, tell me what's the one thing that you'd like the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take away from from all the experience you've had during your career and with Pianova? The the thing that has worked for me the most is focusing on quality. I, I think I can't stress this enough. When you focus on quality and this you know, as I mentioned, I'm fascinated by the concept of influence and how you get people to kind of do something as you persuade them, right? So this, 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 this is very tricky to do. It's not about necessarily the copy that you write for your ad or your, your, your website or whatever. It's beyond that. And I think what really says, you know, it's, it's, if I can explain it this way, I think it says something about you when you focus on quality. And so, you know, the, the obvious applies here. Quality and what? Well, make sure you have a fantastic brand in terms of visuals, in terms of your, uh, you know, copy, in terms of everything, all of the sort of traits of your brand. You want to make sure that you have addressed very well. I, I firmly believe that nobody would ever buy anything from you unless they knew who you were. And so, you know, it is really, really important to focus on your brand. But if you keep quality in mind, meaning that, again, don't just scale things because you feel like that's the right thing to do. Like you said earlier, I think if you are bombarding people with emails today, chances are they're just 100% ignoring you because, first of all, they don't know who you are. They don't know your brand. I'm making assumptions here, but, <laughs> you know, they don't know your brand or know your offering. And so they're like, who is this person? And, and, and done. And so what have you actually accomplished? In my mind, nothing much, right? But if you focus on quality, so what does that really mean? Build your brand well, in my mind, really, really pay attention to your message. Make sure that it's crisp, run it by as many people as you can. No matter how complex your business is, how complex your solution is, try to simplify it. You know, you, you don't necessarily need to communicate 
what you do if you're in a, you know, particularly if you're in a B2B or maybe even enterprise type space, you don't necessarily need to worry about simplifying your message for the general audience, but you still need to make sure that you're simplifying your message for your target audience to a point where they can just read, uh, you know, two or three sentences tops and really understand what you're after. And so this focus on quality in my mind does a couple of things. Number one, it really makes sure that you know what you're doing. You're really giving it uh, quite a lot of thought um, in terms of your entire approach, which is always a great thing. But also I think what it does from a customer's point of view, or a client's point of view, is that they look at you and they make judgments about you. So for example, if you providing collateral that looks absolutely fantastic, it has, you know, it, it's written very well, it flows, it's consistent, it matches everything else that you've produced. It, you know, it, it has, it, uh, you know, even color psychology I, in my mind makes a big difference. You know, if you're in the financial industry, you don't want to use red as your brand <laughs> for obvious reasons. You know, there's so many things that influences uh, that influence the, the, the reader, the target. And so making sure that you produce pieces that are of quality sometimes, and I say sometimes, because of course we can't control what the target audience eventually thinks of us, but sometimes it translates to great things for your brand. So they look at you and they say, you know what, if they're spending this much time on producing this great quality collateral, great quality website, all of their approaches, then chances are that the product is also great. And I think that is probably the biggest piece of advice I could ever give anyone that forget the buzzwords, forget the shortcuts. Those things don't work. If they work, they work temporarily. Again, this is just my personal opinion. Um, I'm sure people would argue that, of course, those things work as well. If you want to have a sustainable long-term plan with marketing, you got to do, you got to roll up your sleeves and you got to do everything ground up. A lot goes into this, right? So if you want to build quality, you got to hire the right people for that. If you want to build quality, you got to spend a lot of time just focusing on messaging. But I think if with that type of mindset, you are able to get a lot of things sort of in line um, and, and hopefully uh, hit your marks off the par- out of the park. <laughs> yeah, you say, you say that these are your personal opinions, but they absolutely match up with my personal opinions as well. The bottom line is you've got to keep it simple because the customer likes simplicity. And the second thing is you've got to engage, don't enrage. Those are my philosophies. It sounds very much to me as if Naveed Jafari's philosophies are pretty much the same. (laughs) Naveed, I'm hoping that people listening to the show might want to get in touch with you. So tell me what's the best way that they should connect. Absolutely. So I'm on LinkedIn, like everybody else, I'm sure. Uh, feel free to Google me there. You can visit us on uh, our corporate website, which is piernova.com. We're on uh, Twitter as well, fairly actively, not particularly on Facebook, but uh, I always love to hear from people. Uh, you know, I, I think what makes, as I shared with you earlier, what makes me so grateful for the job I have is that I know that uh, collectively all of us marketers can make a difference. And uh, and I think I'm always, you know, so many people have helped me get to this point and I'm always happy to help others, uh, you know, make this uh, journey a success. So by all means, it, uh, I'm always happy to hear from folks. Fantastic. Naveed, thank you so much for coming on the show. Let me wish you every success for the future and let's hope the 
lockdown doesn't continue for too much longer. And once it's lifted, maybe one day I'll jet over to Silicon Valley and we can have a beer or a coffee. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, if I may just say this uh, as as we close this, you know, I, I read the other day that uh, uh, this this beautiful saying that said, "Tough times don't last; tough people do." <laughs> and if anyone's listening to this uh, during this this uh, worldwide uh, quote unquote crisis that we have, first of all, my thoughts and prayers are with everyone who are who's experiencing this this terrible. Uh, buyers today and uh but at the same time um you know i'll share with you something personal which is uh, i'm a cancer survivor so i i know a thing or two about going through tough times and uh, you know i think it is so imperative that you focus on day to day and not worry about the things that we cannot change in the future and just focus at, at things at hand but I would love to have you whenever you're in this uh, neck of the wood. Please uh, come visit us. Would love to have you. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.